Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Kermit the Frog here on Sesame Street News, and today we are going to interview the occupants of this cottage right here. And this is the cottage of the Three Little Pigs. Ah, Three Little Pigs! I will count them as you talk to them. Uh, well, I don't think that'll work, Count, actually. Oh, because... nonsense! Counting always works. Uh, yeah. Well, okay, just just try to uh, just try to stay out of the way, would you? Huh? Hmm. Yes. Oh, Kermit the Frog and Sesame Street. Little pig. Uh, 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 uh. Fourth and fourteen with one oh five to go. Travis delivers. Uh, uh, don't pay any attention to Who is it, Harold? Two little pigs. Travis going to go deep. Has a man. And in stride, it is Pokey Wilson. Null's strike first. Will you cut that out? I'll tell you, this frog knocks on the door first. And then all of a sudden, this guy starts counting. I don't know what's going uh, well, on. Oh, it's Kermit the Frog of Sesame Street News here. Uh, all right, all right. Three, now, what's going on? Three little pigs. What's going uh, on? Uh, 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 uh. And up the middle to the goal line, spinning, touchdown! Uh, 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 uh. He puts him up the middle, and he gets smushed! Back at the 33-yard line, Kalen Deloach! Here's Benson, on to the lane, good call, well executed! Benson heading toward the end zone! 38-yard touchdown, Florida State! Uh, 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 uh. Third straight, three and out for Miami. Fourth of the game. Coleman made the first few miss. Keon Coleman! The punter awaits! We approach 11 minutes to go. And that one for Coleman! Even while being held, he caught it for a touchdown. And Dyke rolls away from pressure in trouble. Just throws it up for grabs, and it is intercepted! Ascension back to prominence continues under Mike Norvell. That's okay. It's all for you, Count. Okay? Thanks a lot. Huh? No, 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 no. Hmm? Don't worry about the Count. 
I will be as silent as a mouse. Good. Unless I find something else to count. <laughs> we'll come to your damn house, but I'll follow your throat. Yes, that's not your damn heart. Ah, one pussy willow. Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and Warchant TV. Good Monday. How are we? Doing well, I would presume. Come on in. Come on in. Let's have a talk. Let's enjoy. At least for the early part of the week, certainly. Florida State's success, their rise to prominence, another victory over Miami. That is three straight and Florida State is... 10-0, which might as well be 11-0 as we sit back and welcome in North Alabama, Florida State, with an opportunity to rest some players. We'll get into all of that, the things that lay in wait for Florida State. But you can have these conversations, and these are uh, fun conversations to have when you're undefeated, when you have vanquished yet again your rival, and you find yourself in position to perhaps capture an undefeated season. And in doing so, obviously, you would say, Uh, A successful campaign, no matter what happens from there. Uh, Needless to say, we've got a ton to think about, to reflect on. It was a crazy weekend. By the time it ended late last night, you were aware that not only had Florida State won, but also that Jimbo Fisher had been fired, which was predictable when he left here, and that Florida was losing recruits, and the whispers remain that Florida State is gaining some recruits. It was a perfect weekend for Florida State on that front. Those visits could not have gone better, and obviously the result is what you were after. Welcome in T. Lizzie. He's at the house, by the way, today. Just trying to be cautionary. A little under the weather, but ready to roll with us today, and Matthew is here in his seat, so we'll make it happen. Obviously, I'm here and you're here, and thanks to all of you for doing that. By the way, for those that came by Corner Pocket on Friday, great time. Good to see you. Shook a lot of hands, had a lot of wonderful conversations. It's always good to see people and get caught up on a lot of friends that have been coming out and supporting the things we do on the Jeff Cameron Show, Warchant.com, all of the ventures. Uh, It's fun. And then secondarily, uh, you know, we didn't have the ability to do a live pregame show from Hotel Indigo on Saturday. Uh, I don't necessarily blame Hotel Indigo. I certainly don't blame us, but the internet was severed at Hotel Indigo for whatever reason. They had to fight to get it back by today, but we did have an impromptu meet and greet, and I got to meet all kinds of awesome people that came up to the seventh floor Hotel Indigo and uh, were there for the pregame show, didn't get to see it, but got to have a conversation, got to hang out and talk about that Florida State-Miami game, and I got to know some fine folks. So it never ceases to amaze me uh, how many great people over the years that we've encountered and, uh, you know, who support what we do. But just moreover, just I, I love meeting fellow Knowles that are excited about uh, what's taking place here. And so Saturday was was no different. And we have news on this day. Uh, get, put it on the calendar. Get it out there. We have confirmed December the 11th. December the 11th, that is a Monday, will be this year's uh, bowling tournament uh, as we collect toys for the kids of the Guardian Ad Litem, who otherwise – Uh, Would not have much of a Christmas without the support of this community and all you fine folks. So that is awesome, and we're excited. I'll tell you more details about that on down the road, but that's going to be December the 11th. That is a Monday during the holidays, and we'll give you more details uh, as we proceed. All right, so the game itself, we we wondered going in 
would Florida State uh, be able to win the line of scrimmage? Uh, I, I thought that was the lone area that I was worried. Uh, Miami does have a good defensive line, and they played well. And Miami's offensive line is not terrible. Uh, and in the first half, that line played well. Second half adjustments once again, and Florida State dominates Miami's run game in the second half, save for one run right after the onside's kick. Outside of that, Miami really didn't do much in the uh, in the ground game in that second half, so the adjustment was solid. Florida State playing a lot more 4-3 these days than they had been earlier in the year. You're starting to see some of that. And then from there, I think um, you know Florida State was able to wrestle control of this football game at one point there, really looking like they may run away with it, getting up by two scores. Uh, and then you get the fluke broadcast, I mean the fluke play uh, of the broadcast. Uh, you watch that angle I, I in the stadium I couldn't even tell but when I, you go back and watch it on TV and you're you're just absolutely puzzled as to, to how that angle was taken there and, and how that ball got fitted in had that not happened I think Florida State is really on the verge of blowing this thing open but at the end of the day they win the game and that's all that really matters and we don't worry about style points and rivalry games we worry about wins and that's another one so uh, that's kind of my synopsis of Florida State uh, and Miami. Tom, anything stand out to you beyond what I just described regarding the um, the action on Saturday? No, I mean, you know, in the beginning, that first drive when you score the, the opening touchdown, uh, Florida State did that with toughness. Uh, Goal-to-go situation, you run right up the middle. The block by Meech is a thing of beauty. He kind of hip-checks the, uh, the nose guard for Miami on the way to paving a lane for Trey Benson to score. But you didn't see a whole lot of right up the middle or up the gut success from that point on for Florida State. So, you know, in, in that moment, it's 7 to nothing. I'm thinking, oh, okay, wait a minute. Do they have something a little extra on the O-line today? And they didn't really. Um, you know, you could take the sack yardage out of it, and Florida State still didn't average hardly anything on the ground, even with a 38-yard touchdown that helped, uh, you know, start to move the thing in the, in the right direction for Florida State. I just – I thought it was – a game that had a real chance to get out of hand in the second half, like so many have for Florida state this season. It's it, it, I'm not going to blame officiating for it per se, but on that shot, it's 27 to 13 on that shot to Keon Coleman on a second down. Uh, and, yeah, and he, he gets, gets, held, he gets held on that play. He's going to he score. Gets held yeah. out of his, I mean, even if he doesn't score, you have the ball deep in their territory. You end up punting a play later. And that leads to the drive with the flukish 80 yard touchdown on the first and 15 for Miami. So, it just, I think it was close to being something that followed the form of, say, Duke, in which you're, you're really laughing in the fourth quarter. But then it didn't turn out that way. And so when Emory Williams gets hurt and Van Dyke comes off the sideline and he completes two back shoulders in a row on Renardo Green, who's really good, but he had a couple low moments on Saturday, the first touchdown. He kind of got juked on the first touchdown for Emory Williams. And you're thinking, is this kid going to have some sort of redemption arc? And then he didn't. So everything was okay. But that, my heart was in my throat a little bit more than I expected in the waning moments of the fourth quarter. Well, the thing is, I've spent the better part of post that game and on into yesterday. I uh, had a fun time talking with Ira yesterday on the Sunday Night Smash. That was a good time. Thanks for everybody who showed up in there and asked questions and hung out. Um, you know, I, I think with Florida State, it's you can be reflective this week because you do have North Alabama. And if you wanted to, Honestly, you could probably play all of your backups in this game. Like if you if you truly wanted to, you could sit Jordan. You could sh- you could you could shoot uh, sit not shoot. <laughs> you could sit Keon. You could sit uh, Johnny Wilson. Uh, you could you could sit 
half of your your offensive line, which is dinged up. You could sit. You could really go into this with your second and third stringers all the way around. Because when you watch when you watch this team right now, there's some missing juice. There are some missing personnel. There are guys that are playing at mm, three quarter speed, half speed. You know, I I don't think that Keon looked explosive compared to what he's looked earlier in the year. Obviously, Johnny looked a little rusty at times post-catch. Uh, I think that, uh, well, the offensive line, we already know about that situation. you got all kinds of guys that are dinged up there. Uh, Murray Smith is just a, a tough guy. I, 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 You know, that guy plays through an awful lot, but he's seldom 100%. It was obvious in this game that he wasn't. You know, you don't have Robert Scott really anymore at this point. Uh, Bless Harris is extremely limited. So you just have so many guys dealing with so many issues that it's it's hard to watch at times and very frustrating because you realize that they're fighting through things and finding ways to win, but the way they have to call the game has changed and the way they have to go about their business has changed quite a bit. So that's fine. You, you have to find a way to you know coach around these obstacles when they happen, but it nonetheless is frustrating to see play out. Luckily, you have this sort of breather before you travel to Gainesville, where meanwhile, the University of Florida has to go out and play Mizzou. And so you're in a situation where how beat up, how beleaguered is that Florida team going to be by the time they face Florida State? I mean, they just gave up like 4,000 yards to LSU. I mean, you're watching a defense which wasn't good this year get worse and almost kind of lay down in that second half against LSU. Now, Jaden Daniels is really good, but sweet Jesus, we can't have people out here amassing 500-plus yards by themselves. That's, that's crazy person stuff. He may have just won the Heisman in that game on Saturday, and good for him. The only team that has shut him down is Florida State University. Um, and so that, that's, you know, that's good. It's a feather in our cap. Should bode well for Florida State when we do play that game. I am interested to see what the Knowles do this Saturday, because I, I think I'd arrest everybody. I might not even start Jordan, because I I don't think he's I don't think he's legitimately going to win the Heisman at this point. So even if he's if he's dealing with something, I'd sit him too. Yeah, you're the principals in that, uh, and I don't necessarily disagree. I don't think they're going to do that. But I would like to see Brock Glenn this weekend if he's healthy enough. You know, I want to see him get into the mix. Uh, he went down with a hand injury earlier in the season. I want to see some of those young offensive linemen. I'd like to see some of those young members of the secondary in non-garbage time situations. They still want to atone for the touchdown they gave up to LSU in week one. So give them a half. Let them play for an entire half on Saturday. Uh, it's it's going to be fascinating. Um, senior night, I like it. The weather's supposed to be a little bit cooler, so you get that last taste of doke in November before we go and we play uh, Florida next week, which also has been announced for a 7 p.m. kick. That was just announced in the last 20-odd minutes is that our regular season finale will be 7 p.m. on ESPN when we travel down to Gainesville. But this is um, the other side of the equation from last week. I said, if you're 10-0, you're going to be 11-0. Buddy, you've got a real chance here for the third time since 2013 to have a 12-0, a perfect regular season. And so even though the Miami game didn't have that satisfying rocking chair feeling that I was hoping for in the fourth quarter, in a way, it's better because you poison their souls with hope and then you <laughs> rip it away from them again. But now it's just it's about the larger goal. Like, Of course, Florida is going to be – I've always cared more about the Florida game than the Miami game when racking the rivalries because in my era, Florida was better, a lot better than we were. So I have that, that kind of feeling towards the Gators. But I'm just looking towards that goal. You're so close. You are so close 
to finishing this finishing this thing off. And if you do need to rest a couple of people to help you get there in an easier fashion, then do so on Saturday. Absolutely. By the way, I saw a couple of people in the chat say, well, I'd, I'd hate to overlook this team and somehow get God or something like that. Uh, buddy, this is a subdivision team. North Alabama just lost to Central Arkansas. The week before that, they lost to Austin P. The week before that, they won by one over Utah Tech. They lost to ACU. They lost to Eastern Kentucky. They lost to UT Martin. Stop it. <laughs> They're not, Florida State's not losing to North Alabama. It's not going to happen. Now, it is senior day. The seniors that are healthy enough will be out there to play some in this game. I, I, they're not going to do what I just said, which is sit everybody. My point was you could. You could. And you don't have to play a lot of guys a lot of minutes here. They need that rest. And we're, 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 looking, we're, we're looking at a situation where you gear up for this game against Florida, which – Florida's offense is not terrible, not terrible at all. Uh, and you know what? Mertz has played well. I dare say he's played pretty well. Uh, their offense doesn't seem to be the problem. Their their offense is okay. Their defense is abysmal. Uh, so you'll have to you know buckle in and play well on defense and get some stops. You should be able to move the ball on Florida's defense without much of a problem. And then from there, obviously, you have the ACC championship game. The one great benefit right now as we sit here today after getting past this Miami game is that you have time to game plan and rest and get people right if you can make it to the playoff. There's a, there's a gap after that ACC championship game before you'd have to play that really would allow you to put together uh, a hell of a game plan to overcome some of your issues. Like, I think as it stands right now, I don't believe Florida State would beat you know most of these playoff teams that are on the ledger right now, I think they could. I don't think they would be favored to, and I think that the lines of scrimmage would be the problem. But you do get Daryl Jackson, and you do have a lot of time to prepare. So it's a one-off. You'll take your chances. But let's get there first. Let's get healthy before heading down to Gainesville by resting quite a few guys after say the first quarter uh, of this weekend's game. And you know I don't really I, sure I would have liked Florida State to blow out Miami. And they had a chance of two scores there. Had they not given up that fluke score, I think they would have gone back down and, and put it away and been up by three scores. Uh, but I'm really not overly concerned about it because I think that at the end of the day, as we take the time to reflect, if I told you that a 12-0 and regular season was on the table before the year, no matter how it looked, whether it was by three points every week or by 50, you would take 12-0 and all day, every day. So good times uh, for Florida State fans right now. And I think it's because of what it portends. Florida State is only climbing to another level. They're in the middle of this, though. They're not even close to complete. They're just getting started. You know, that big step forward a year ago was to get to 10 wins and solidify that you were on the move, that you were you were kind of coming out of the muck there. This season furthers that growth. And now Florida State's in a position to really begin to add the pieces through a very successful high school recruiting class, which they have a top five class right now, top four class right now. You go ahead and bring in some of those pieces that you need to, to bolster the depth of talent on this roster. You know that they've already proven they can go out in the portal and get a guy here or there that has a lot of leadership and a lot of games played in key positions. You know they're going to do that too. 
So this team's only going to get better. It may not be as good a team at quarterback next year, but they might be better other places. So it's going to be fascinating to watch to see how they build upon this because that's clearly the direction Florida State's going in uh, right now is that this is a team that is going to be a perennial contender to win the conference and to be in the college football playoff. A lot to explore. We'll get to all of it. Jeff Cambridge, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hello there podcasters oh don't worry i won't prattle on for two minutes like i do with some of the other reads zaxby's doesn't demand it of me (laughs) Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips? We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a Beer Giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh-huh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Jeff Cameron Show, good Monday, everybody, and it is always a good Monday after a win over Miami. Florida State finds themselves in a position to do great things, and I, you know, I don't know what's weird, Tom. I, I think we've thought for a while now this was obtainable. When they got past the Clemson game, I think we kind of felt like Florida State was in a real good position to go undefeated. Obviously, I wasn't really worried about Pitt or Wake or Syracuse even, or any of those teams, uh, I had a little bit of a concern about Miami's line of scrimmage, but I still thought we'd win this game. And actually, if you go look at the way the game played out, um, you know, if you look at game on paper, Florida State at no point dropped below 60% chance to win that game, predicted to win that game. So there's no moment in that game, even when you're trailing in the second half after the onside's kick doesn't work, and they get a field goal out of it. Uh, turns out, by the way, that that's the last real successful run Miami had was that first run after the onside's kick, which is right up the gut. And uh, I was concerned that this was going to be more of the same because they ran very well in the first half against Florida State's defense. I, I, a curious thought, just to – we have not spoken on this game, you and I, 
uh, prior to right now. I it, Does it seem to you, this is my guess, that Florida State prepared defensively for Tyler Van Dyke? Um, it, it could be. I, I think they were... I think their thought early on was keep everything in front of them and let's see if you can prove that you can go down the field in 10 plays, 12 plays. Because, it, you know, from about the late second half on, you saw that we were getting downhill and we were pressuring more. There were more linebackers on the field. It just it felt like there was a hell of a lot more downhill to it um, to start that third quarter. And then from that point moving forward. That's why so, I think they prepared for Tyler Van Dyke. They totally changed their game plan in the second half and decided to basically run blitz and stop all this nonsense by having a safety come in and make tackles behind the line of scrimmage and change the lanes for you to run. I don't know why the hell you don't do that on the first play of the game. Why would you not good, have your I'm, – I'm going to make a freshman quarterback beat me down the field because I don't think he can. Yeah, I, I agree with you. They might have thought that their front four could have just won straight up and mm. they didn't need to do that. And I mean, look, I'm in a position where we know that what happened. And so I'm trying to explain something that didn't work, but that's, that's the best thing I can think of there. Actually, the play that pissed me off the most was the second in forever. And uh, cause they have the, uh, the post first down. Um, was it a taunt? It was an unsportsmanlike of some kind. Yeah. And they hit, they hit a bubble. What do you think's coming? They're not, they're not running a post. This is screen territory guys. This is screen territory. You know, like one of the big runs was just well done by the running back where he cuts back completely against the, the scheme of the play and we're out of a gap and that sucks. But it's it's a play made by the running back to go where it's not blocked up. The second one they hit that sets up the first and goal, they call it right into the teeth of a blitz from the same side and, and Shaheem gets picked up by the tight end slash H back who is I mean, it's it's a perfect call into the wrong call at the wrong time for Florida State. But for the most part, I was impressed with how they handled the run. For the most part, that second quarter got away from us a little bit, but they responded pretty well. I, I, overall, I would just I would rate the defensive day as good. I thought they did a good job. Second quarter, we were worried, but they did a good job overall. Yeah, I thought the second half adjustments against the run changed the game, and they, they were dead in the water after that. The first half, they ran the ball really well. And it was frustrating. As it as it turned out, you know, they still ran the ball better than Florida State. They averaged 4.56 yards per play rushing. They had 146 yards rushing. Um, a lot of that came in the first half. And I, I thought they could have just – just a criticism I have here. This is a, a, a direct criticism. I, I don't know why you start the game that way. I, I, there's no chance Miami is not going to do anything but want to run the ball. Um, and, and I guess if you're thinking Van Dyke's going to start, you play zone because he'll throw it to you. And he's been throwing it to you over and over yeah. and over again. And that was the reason for my thought that, well, clearly they thought he was going to start I, uh, to me. Because I, I, you know, and I guess I did text you at halftime. Like, I'm not letting that, I'm not going to let you run the ball. You're going to have to throw it. You're going to have to throw it. With a freshman quarterback, he's going to have to prove to me he can. And for the most part, he didn't. He couldn't. I mean, he was a dreadful completion percentage. I they kept trying to. When I went back and watched the broadcast, boy, they I know they tried to sell the hell out of that story. I got nothing against that kid, and I hope he's okay. And I hope the surgery or whatever he has to have works because he's got a ton of heart. He's got all of that. But if we're just going on what we saw prior to the lucky ass eighty-five yard touchdown play, and it is lucky. Other than that, he hadn't really done much of anything throwing the football. There'd be like if I'm a Miami fan, I'm not so sure that that guy's the answer. Uh, by what I saw, they made it sound like you know he had had this great game. He didn't. He didn't do a damn thing, throwing the ball. 
No, we missed a lot of tackles on short throws, um, and and they had the one fluke play. I think he was he one for nine for negative yards before that pass. I mean, it's, in the yeah, he didn't do anything in the second half. I mean, once you start taking the run away, and it's now second and behind the chains, third and behind the chains, he wasn't doing anything. He's missing guys. Restrepo didn't have a single catch. I really wasn't worried about their weapons. I it just it's interesting that Miami team is getting better. They've got, because of the line of scrimmage. They're better on the defensive line, and they're better on the offensive line, and they're very good at running back. They still don't have a quarterback. They don't throw to the tight ends at all. They have one decent weapon right now at wide receiver. That's it. They, yeah, they got Ma- ways to go. Ma- I thought uh, – sorry, Maui Noah was their best player, the He's linebacker. Good. He's good. Yeah. You know, they brought him in because his brother is the, is the stud tackle that they're cultivating. So they wanted the brothers to be able to play together, and that's all wonderful. But he's got another year to go. I hope he doesn't use it. No, he, he should goes leave. He, he's, he's really good. He needs to go. <laughs> We've got about four runs, maybe four strong, at least three runs that have another 15 to 20-plus yards ticketed for them because they're blocked up. Everything's done properly. It's just a one-on-one play has to be made. And Maui Noah made the play, and you're just like, geez. That's what a good linebacker can do for you. They can erase mistakes. And frankly, that's what Kalen Deloach did for Miami's one good drive in the first half. Well, in the first quarter, I should say. Their one good drive is you erase. That blitz we've now called three times this year. That concept. One was Clemson. Last week, they did it against Pitt. They did it again here. That dude reminds me, and he's got a long way to go before he's a professional on that level. But it just reminds me of Devin White getting downhill for the Buccaneers because when he triggers and he decides he's going in fifth gear, Kalen Deloach is sudden. And and that helped change the course, I think, of even that 10 to nothing run that we went on in the first half. The number one issue I had offensively in the first half was the drive at 10 to nothing where you lose a couple yards on first down. And then you run it on you second. Call, you call another run right behind it? Mm. I, I didn't understand what that was. It was because cautious. Now you're in third, yeah, you're in third and you can't convert. You're, now we're in third and we're not going to convert. And that's how Miami takes that next drive and goes, gets to 10 to 7. But you got a chance in that moment to put the game on ice, and then you've got a chance at 27-13 to put the game on ice. And that key on hold, man, I just – that's a call you got to make every single time. I don't understand where where the – it's always about position. If you're going to complain about officiating, you got to complain about were they in position to make the call. How are you not in position to make that call in that moment because it changes the course of everything in the second well, half? I thought, it was a, I thought it was a bad day for officials uh, throughout college football in that game. I don't know that they got a single call right. When I went back and looked at the replay of the game, I didn't realize just how bad a targeting that was. I also didn't realize that it was an obviously a safety. They should have given Miami a safety there. That was the – I don't know how they don't – how do you not get that right on replay? And what are you doing, Jordan Travis? Jesus, man. That's two weeks in a row with this nonsense. Stop that. I mean, he's got to get it together a little bit here, just drifting on back 15 yards for no effing reason while a guy's right in your face. And that's Miami's M.O. Like, if somebody who is an off-the-street football fan like me can see that Miami brings more than you can block and they overload, how do you not have a plan for that and how do you not know that there is no time? You don't have They're bringing pressure on almost every play. Yeah, I just I don't know how we didn't have a plan for that. That was uh, frustrating to me. And then they also missed the greedy Vance interception. Dude, that's an interception. What yeah. I mean? No, there, there were there were bad moments all around for officials. I think both fan bases had plenty to complain about, and they'd be right. And I don't get, and I have never gotten, and we have talked about it till we're blue in the face since the last one. Talk about it today. They must have just small children randomly pressing buttons in the replay booth. They're not looking at anything. They're not. They're just, what? Nobody's looking at actual replays. 
It's not hard. It takes seconds to see what happened on these replays, and they never get it right. It's bizarre. And McDonough did a good job when I went back and listened. He did a good job of calling him out. He's like, we called down to the replay booth. We wanted an answer. They wouldn't give us one. We just asked about that call on the interception. They wouldn't tell us about that one either. Like, he's pissed, clearly. Uh, I appreciate that in a broadcaster who's not just there to collect the check. They actually care about the game. He's So that tells you that he and McElroy are so pissed off in a commercial break. They're like, give me an answer. That's ridiculous. Give yeah, me an find answer out on why this. that happened. Yeah, f- please. What was your answer? There has to be a legitimate reason you didn't overturn that. Well, and I think it's also important that you say that it was targeting because you don't believe targeting don't, exists generally. Very rarely. I think it's less than 1% of the time does targeting exist. Most of the time, it's a freak occurrence. It's happenstance. As a guy tries to get lower, a lot of t- head angles and all that, that was an intent. Those two had had a feud. That was an intent. And it's the very definition, by the way. Even though I want to get rid of the rule, the rule is there. And in that case, that you that's the only time you should throw that flag. When it's that obvious, not anything borderline, anything borderline, nope, not targeting. I'm never calling targeting if I don't have to. But in that situation, I'm like, well, that that's kind of why it's in the rule book. Because my man was trying to do that. It was obvious. That was bizarre. They didn't give us any answer on that either. Again, doesn't matter. The refs were bad for both teams in this game. Miami got screwed on that safety. We got screwed on that play with Keon Coleman and on that play. It's bizarre how that happened, but I, I was blown away at how frequently the replay booth, it's one thing to get it wrong at full speed or be out of position or not catch it, you know, at the speed of the game. When you're watching a replay, good God, man. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com, FSUHomeLoans.com. Huge weekend, not only for Florida State on the field, but for those that attended, especially those that are recruits. And Florida State had more than a bevy, probably more than I can ever remember, uh, of a high caliber uh, variety being on the sideline for this game for Florida State. A lot of uh, former players on the sideline and in attendance for this game as well. If you are on social media, you saw so many former players tweeting out, saw it on Instagram, a lot of these guys, their experiences down on the field, in the stands, a lot of players in the stands too as well. I thought that was cool. Um, They've done – Mike's done a really good job of building that back into something to where there's a connection again. For so long, off and on, for a variety of reasons, for a variety of reasons, it just wasn't the case around here. It was very upsetting. It never made sense to me when you've had such a rich history – I mean, Florida State is one of the precious few programs in the country that can say that in the modern era have been a fixture in terms of producing uh, NFL talent and transcendent players. I mean, whether it's a a Hall of Famer like Derek Brooks or an all-time collegiate great like Peter Warwick, 
you can go on and on and on. You can talk to any fan base in the country of any program. And, you know, there are certain programs like Florida State that have an edge on almost everybody else. Like, we all know which of those great players that Alabama has leaned on over the last 15 years of Saban's run. We know, certainly over the years, who's been great whether it be at Oklahoma or at Michigan or Ohio State. Like, these are the blue bloods of college football that have produced in mass dominant players. And Florida State is one of those on the short list. And so it always bothered me when big games would happen and you didn't look around and see them. Like, where are they at? Where's Marvin? Where's Derek? Where's Work Dunn? Where's Charlie Ward? Where's Peter Work? Where's Chris Winkie? Where's, you know, I mean, there's William Floyd. He's doing the game, but where's, where is everybody? And now you're starting to see it. Now you're starting to see it. It's awesome. It's really cool. And that gets me to my next point of the things that happened over the weekend. Uh, Jimbo Fisher got fired. And for a lot of Florida State fans, that is the ultimate in schadenfreude. That is, I told you so. And it's good to have a I told you so moment specific to the A&M fans that were talking smack on the day that they hired Jimbo Fisher as if they had won that situation, that they had gotten the better of the deal. And we had watched in Jimbo's final year the train off the tracks. As I had noted long before it came to fruition, this was in shambles. The plane was in the side of the mountain. Jimbo Fisher, when he left here, was 5-6. and six and told he could not coach the last game, and basically took umbrage and showed great disdain to everybody in the media who asked him something they already knew to be true, which was that he had taken the Texas A&M job. And he was offended by the mere question. Don't forget, leading up to those moments, he had challenged a fan to a fight in the stands. My man had lost his ever-loving mind. There were problems on and off the field and certainly throughout the locker room and the athletic department. Florida State at that moment certainly wasn't happy with the way things ended, but knew time was up and he was gone. And so when he got that job and people reached out, those that cover Texas A&M or cover college football nationally, reached out to a lot of us that covered Jimbo Fisher's time here. I did so probably more intimately than any other person in the media, national or local. And Jimbo, who I called on the very first day, he got the job as offensive coordinator and reached at his house while he was in the midst of moving and talked to him to set up interviews down the line. This was a guy I got to know. This was a guy who I had a lot of interaction with, and he was a very different guy by the time he left. And so when they reached out to us and asked questions about what kind of guy they were getting, I frequently said, one who needs a little help, one who seems a little broken, one who understands football and can really recruit but has got a lot of other things on his plate right now. Should be interesting to see how this goes. My guess is if things don't change off the field for Jimbo Fisher, he's going to have a real hard time sustaining success on the field. But he'll recruit. He'll recruit. And we got this right, and it wasn't just me, but a lot of people understanding who and what Jimbo was and had become could have predicted this fateful day that occurred yesterday, which was him getting fired without having accomplished really anything of note at Texas A&M. His great season was a COVID season where a lot of fluky things happened. 
you know, like Mel Tucker was really good at Michigan State. He's no longer employed. We can go on down the list of things that happened throughout college football that year, but it was a hodgepodge of weird. Jimbo hadn't really done much of anything with all of the talent that he brought in. And now A&M will have to go get another coach. I don't know that I celebrated as much because I think it's kind of sad, but I also think it was highly predictable. He went 42-25 and 25 at Texas A&M. 42-25. and 25. That's a worse record than Kevin Sumlin, who went 51-26. and 26. In six seasons, he had that nine-win season. That was the pandemic year. He had one other nine-win season. He got a contract extension, and the buyout is the largest that we have ever seen in the sport. The previous known record for a buyout paid to a college coach was $21.45 million from Auburn to Gus Malzahn. $21 million is what they had to give Gus. They're giving Jimbo over $75 million to walk away. Do you know how bad things have to be at a place? If they fire a coach, they don't let him finish out the year, and they give him 75-plus to leave and leave now. Get out. You can't say goodbye to your players. Get your ass on a plane and leave. How ugly are things behind the scenes when that's the case? Hell. I think they let him take the, uh, the trophy. The national championship trophy. Might as well. They, Maybe you can get it filled in when he goes Division Two or something. I don't know. He could change the language from national championship uh, to buyout championship and then throw 2023 on it because it's an unbelievable win for Jimbo. That contract was. Because he could take another gig and get paid $5 million a year, and that's over the top of the guaranteed buyout from A&M. It, it's not a replacement situation. Yeah, there's no redirect released. on the contract, so he gets it no matter what. That's unbelievable. That's so well negotiated. Uh, congratulations to his agent. Uh, Jimmy who, Sexton. Uh, wins a lot of these situations. All of them. <laughs> that's like for him, that should be a watershed moment. Look at look at what I've done. That, you, know, you walk into his offices, those clippings of Jimbo being fired with the full guarantee should be the first thing you see. Not shaking hands with Nick Saban. Nothing. It should just be that press clipping. And like you, the Jimbo part of it, there are two sides to Jimbo. He's two different people, and, mm-hmm. and both of them are fascinating. I got to see a window behind the scenes, even though I wasn't there in an official capacity for many of your interviews. I was there, and I had the cans on, and sometimes you go, whoo, and sometimes you laugh, and you say, this guy's awesome. This guy's hilarious. Well, there'd be good days, yeah. He had good days, and he had good moments, moments of real humanity and moments of real inhumanity. But it's more about A&M. It's more about their trolling. That was my joy yeah, yesterday. Yeah, mine too. Mine too, because those people were so sure they had it right. And we tried to tell them, look, this isn't sour grapes. The guy was a mess here at the end. The evidence yeah. is all right there before you. And they wagged their finger in our face, and they told us that we're small time, that now with their facilities and being SEC and all that kind of stuff – that they're going places that maybe we had been in the past, but we can never return to again. And so the symmetry is it's not like we're enjoying right now through 10 games, a seven and three season, an eight and two season. We're 10 and freaking oh. 10 and 0, yeah. We're about to be 11 and 0. We're going to be featured again on Tuesday night as one of the talking points of the college football playoff selection show. It's just at the time that the Jimbo era ends, we are at our peak from that moment that he was uh, fired or he resigned from Florida State. With Jimbo Fisher removed from the situation, players can enter the transfer portal at any time over the next 30 days. Uh, that'll take us into that 
December 4th uh, period that we all look forward to, which is the normal time. And so let's see how many of these players get picked off and how many of them want to come to Tallahassee. Uh, let's find out uh, how things work out. I know uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a free-for-all right now. Hopefully Florida's uh, class continues to collapse. And, and then it, it did. It, we passed them yesterday. We passed yeah. them in the on three industry. So now we're number three in the 2024 class. And we could be adding some more players here in the weeks to come to push for number two or number one. Yeah, it's about the pieces to me. I don't care if we're ranked one, two, three, six, five, four. I mean, okay, it's great, but it's about the pieces. Do you get what you need to be great next year? And you need some things. You need better depth on the offensive and defensive line. You need better talent on the offensive line. You're not good enough. You're just not good enough. It's the weakness of this team, and it's why you'll lose in the playoff. But, hey, that doesn't mean I'm not appreciative. I love where this team's at. I love how quickly this has turned around. I love that they have an opportunity to go 12-0 and and win the ACC and you know continue to build on the 10-win season they had a year ago. They're going places. This isn't the stopping point. So if it were to come to an end without a national title this year, A, that wouldn't be shocking to me, but B, it wouldn't mean anything other than Florida State had a great season and has to look to continue to build on that and get better. And I yeah, think that's exactly what they plan on doing. They got to finish the job here over the next three weeks. We understand that. But if they do, I'm not cashing in my chips yet. I'm not cashing in my well, chips I'm not yet. Trying, I'm not rooting against them, Tom. I'm giving you my honest opinion. I don't think they can beat Georgia. I don't think they would beat uh, – I'm pretty sure they wouldn't beat Michigan. Uh, they got a shot against Ohio State, although that – we'll see. Uh, I don't want any part of Alabama if they somehow make the playoff. Uh, so it'll be interesting. Michigan's quarterback play was only confirmed to me to be less than Well, they didn't need him, though. They didn't choose to do anything with him. And it's the same kid that went on the road at Ohio State a year ago. He's good. But that, that to me, is a physical dominance, the likes of which very few teams have. Michigan lining up. Can you imagine Florida State lining up and not throwing a single pass in the second half of a game and being able to get away with it on the road against a top-20 defense? I can't because we couldn't. But that so, is also evidence of the opponent that they're playing. It's a top-20 defense, sure, against Penn State. But I don't know that that is some kind of thing that you hang on your wall as this badge of honor I wouldn't that you beat Penn State. I wouldn't either because everybody who's any good does. What I'm saying, though, is that I don't think we're equipped to do that, so I don't knock them for not throwing passes. They didn't need to. That was their ultimate show of disrespect. They're like, eh, we don't even need to throw a pass against you. It's not that he can't. Yeah, I would agree with you, and, and you've been on it for weeks, that you know Georgia is going to a different place right now. They are. That's, that's true. There's nothing that these two Big Ten teams have done in the last month to make me feel less in the fight with the Big Ten teams. And there's nothing that we've done that makes me feel that we are less in the fight with the Big Ten teams over the last month. Now, if you want to say that, yeah, the odds are shifting with Georgia, I agree. Yeah, that's another another just unholy ass beating. After 14-14, that game's over <laughs> really quickly. Uh, but the, the two Big Ten teams, I don't care who it is. You put them on the field with us in the Rose Bowl, I like our chances to, to continue on. And then if you do that, then you're in the championship game, and we've got enough top-end talent to play around our weaknesses and make it interesting against anybody in the country. I, I don't think this is um, a foregone conclusion that once you're, you're celebrating at the podium in Charlotte that the season's over. I, I think there's more. there could be more to come. And well, that, I'm certainly never going to tell you they don't have a fighting chance against anybody. I, I, I've not said that. I'm just telling you now I would take those other teams right now over Florida State to win the game. But doesn't mean we couldn't win. I'm not giving us a 0% chance of winning. So I don't want that to be mistaken. Uh, I think Florida State would be in any game. 
I just think that the line of scrimmage is the area where we've got to get a lot better. Now, one thing is, again, I repeat this, defensively, I mean that too on the defensive front, but we would get Daryl Jackson back, and that would be a big damn deal. That admittedly could change the math a little bit. And I'd get excited about that. Um, hey, let's get there and find out. Let's argue about it while we're getting ready to attend a playoff game and discuss it during a pregame show. That'd be wonderful. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.